Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Free play. And Franklin snatches it out of the air for a TD. And look at the big guy right here. Kari Franklin just goes up and elevates in a 50-50 ball. Double coverage on a free play. With 8.29 on the clock, they've used up more than six minutes. Algier into the end zone. A little punctuation. Now that's how you finish off the game. I think if you ask our players they could have another 60 minutes to play a game again, they would, they would take it a heartbeat. You don't get that opportunity. You know? So we'll never get this game back. And so what we need to do is double down to make sure that we don't um, make very similar mistakes so that make sure that we're uh, on point for the next one. And, and as a head coach, that's, that's, I want to do that. I want to get that done. And I want to celebrate the win, but uh, definitely want to get better. I know we can play better than this. And, and, but a lot of credit to UTSA for making plays. A little bit different tone from Coach Sataki. We had a little bit different tone earlier today. Uh, when he spoke to the media as well. But BYU does beat uh, Texas San Antonio, Gordon, 27-20. to They give up 14 points uh, in the fourth quarter for the Roadrunners to uh, make a game of it. Um, BYU made a bunch of mistakes, but uh, Texas, I thought Texas San Antonio, I heard Hans talking about this in the postgame, they, I mean, they came to play. I, I think BYU has more talent, and, I mean, the, the, they certainly were far from covering the spread. But to Texas San Antonio's point, I thought they came uh, and played hard. BYU made some mistakes that they haven't made uh, in the first couple of games, though, Gordon. Yes, and there was a lack of execution that had been present earlier. Uh, at no point in that game did I think that BYU was going to lose it, although they would have been capable of doing it had they made a few more mistakes uh, but BYU was clearly the better team. But we're talking about a roadrunner squad that barely beat Middle Tennessee. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's a horrible football team. Beat them by two. Barely beat Texas State in double overtime. This is not a great football team, and BYU made them look pretty good. And so I'll give UTSA some credit for showing up and playing hard, which they did. But BYU, uh, that was not the peak performance that we saw out of the Cougars in uh, in their earlier games. And that's something for them to work on. So maybe I'm sure Kalani will use that all week long as they head into that Houston game uh, to uh, to play and to prepare at, uh, at the highest level. And they did not do that in this game. I mean, UTSA had just shy of the same amount of passing yards as BYU did. Well, I think a couple things uh, came out, Gordon, and and we have our suspicions, or we had our suspicions about the BYU defense, right? That they the pass rush might be a bit of an issue. You know, you always kind of wonder about the the secondary and how they'll perform. And they had a tough day. They had a tough day yeah. stopping the pass. the The game plan was to come in and stop the run, and that was the most talented player on that offense. I I still agree that uh, sincere McCormick. You know, yeah. he he's uh, he's got some pop he has the capability to be a real player and they they came in and game plan to take him out of the game and they did pretty much but then uh the quarterback uh, came in and exposed some of those uh, vulnerabilities that weren't exposed in previous weeks yes and that's something they're gonna have to shore up uh we saw byu commit some penalties and they have been so clean in that regard through the first three games and so maybe the standard was Maybe the expectation was so high, and that's why, I mean, BYU got the win, and I wrote this. BYU got the win, but it was not impressive. 
the way they did it. And with the schedule they have and with the aspirations they have, uh, it, it, it's it's like winning isn't quite enough. Yeah, They've got to beat these teams and beat them soundly. And they did not beat this team on uh, BYU's home field uh, the way uh, they were capable of doing. So, and maybe these are college kids. I get it. Sometimes that happens. But they're going to have to, because of the schedule they're playing, they're going to have to look good. They're going to have to look good. It's back to the old days uh, when they were in the whack. And they couldn't just beat teams. They had to beat them in a manner that would be impressive, even though the year that they won their national championship, some of those wins weren't exactly impressive. See, I, I, if I'm a coach, I'm selling it to my my team and I'm selling my program that, hey, this is the wake-up call that we needed. Because, you know, a different way to look at BYU's schedule, and I don't entirely disagree with you, but a different way to look at the schedule is you've got three opponents that are going to be pretty good in Houston, Boise State, and San Diego State left, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so you want to be playing your best football in those three games. And, and national national TV, Friday night, you should have it to yourself. I mean, there should be a lot of eyeballs on, on the game. Um, BYU still ranked, obviously, uh, going up against one of the better opponents. And so, you know, maybe you needed to make a couple of mistakes against Texas San Antonio so you had something to tighten up for Houston. Because I think, you know, if you're going to – if you're going to beat up somebody pretty good, you want it to be those three teams. Yes, uh, and you certainly don't want to lose to them because that under, under, right. uh, undermines everything you're out to accomplish. So, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how BYU prepares in a short week and going on the road against the other Cougars. And they're going to if they play the way they did this last game, uh, they could be in real danger of losing it. But we don't have a whole lot of evidence about Houston. I mean, they beat Tulane, and that game was tight until they pulled away late. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to play better because I assume that Houston has better athletes than UTSA on the whole. On the whole, yeah, I would agree with you. Although, you know, there were a couple examples there for Texas San Antonio, some guys that can play. I was talking to Hatch about their defensive tackle who had a, a big-time game. And that's what we talked to Coach Trailer last week. Uh, remember, Gordon, he was talking about how if he can just get six kids to stay home, uh, scholarship guys, and six – did he say six walk-ons? I think Coach Trailer said that as well. You know, if they can convince those players to play, you know, maybe you can get a, a, a few difference makers out of that area, which has uh, produced a lot of great talent. So, you know, maybe we saw a couple of those guys that can play. But on the whole, I got to, you know, absolutely got to agree with you. You'd think Houston is bringing a better team to the table. And, uh, you know, Coach Holgerson in the past um, has had a history of some pretty good teams. So um, I think it's an interesting matchup. And I think if BYU cuts down on some of the mistakes, I, I think it's a matchup that they should win. One thing I would do if I were BYU, and this is going to sound kind of funny, because uh, I, you know, you like it. I like sort of uh, uh, a, a wide open attack. Utilize all your targets, all your weapons. But I think Tyler Algier, he got 19 carries in that game. I would have given him 30. He he's pretty good, man. He he's. Uh, I don't want to say he's come out of nowhere because that's not the case. Um, but it, it is surprising how good he's been. I mean, he's, he's been their best guy. Averaged over six yards a carry. Yep. Jake, I'm giving that guy the ball more often. And I know you got Zach and you want to air the ball out a little bit. But, uh, man, I 
I, I tell those big ones up front, man, you clear clear some space for your guy back here and let him do some work. And I've, he had 19 carries, 116 yards. But I, I think he could have been – he could have sustained some drives that were short-circuited. Yeah, I think a few more carries for Algier um, going his way might not be the worst thing in the world. They've got some depth at that position, though, because Coteau is not bad. Um, he didn't have the best game against Texas San Antonio, but he's pretty good. Um, the coach Tataki talked about um, oh Finau. What's his first name? Austin, a uh, Cione Finau yeah. who uh, who might be available this upcoming week. So they've got some some guys there that they maybe you want to get a couple of carries too. And and Zach Wilson threw the ball thirty times. That seems like a pretty decent number to me actually. So I don't know how much. I don't know. Thirty is that. That seems like a lot of carries, but I hear you. It, it, it He's is, a good player, and and you don't want your 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 good your solid running back to get injured. That's for sure. And BYU's had its fair share of that kind Man. of problem. Yeah. In the past, so they they want to be careful there. I get it. But he's good. He's good, and he's fun to watch. He runs hard, and if those guys up front are doing their job, he's going to pick up yardage for you, even in in that performance where the Offense was not at its uh, pinnacle. Uh, over six yards of carry is pretty impressive. It's really to me. good. What? Yeah. What did you think? What did you think of Zach Wilson's performance overall? Uh, kind of the same performance overall with BYU. Like at times it was it was really good, and he made a couple of mistakes that he's going to have to tighten up. But you know he didn't throw an interception. Uh, he put the ball on the ground once, right? Um, but didn't throw an interception. Two touchdowns, two hundred ninety-two yards. I mean that's a pretty decent day. Was far from perfect. Far from his best game. Probably his worst game. But, yeah. I mean, if that's your worst game, 292 yards and an efficient 22 of 30, that's all right. And they handcuffed him in the second half. Right. Did uh, did it surprise you how often he uh, – and some of this was designed, I get it. But did it surprise you that he did not settle into the pocket as much as we've come to expect? Well, they've been telling us about that, though, that they want to move him around a little bit, don't you think? I mean, they mentioned that, that they want to utilize that with him. Seems like uh, there was uh, a delay in what uh, the timing of some of the routes and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we're nitpicking here. I mean, BYU won. They won 27-20. to 20. It's just that they're not playing great opponents. And they and based on the eye test, what I saw on Saturday – that was not BYU playing at its potential. And uh, th- that's something they need to work on and focus to, uh, to to really get the best out of these guys. And if they do that, they, they give themselves a terrific chance of having quite uh, a memorable season in spite of the fact that they're playing, as you said, their, their toughest opponents are Boise State, San Diego State, and Houston. And uh, that, I mean, those teams are, are respectable, but it's not like they're going up against murderers row here. No, which means that maybe you can have an opportunity to have a convincing win against a notable uh, opponent, which I think would go a long way. Although I will say that Texas San Antonio, that was not the team they should have been favored by 34 and a half against. I mean, maybe, maybe that 34 and a half uh, point spread should have been Louisiana tech. And uh, we're we're talking about a team that lost to uh, UAB. I know, but that was a the better week before. That was better. That was a better team than Louisiana Tech. Well, yeah, I'll agree with that. But so. uh, I, I think BYU made them look better than they are. I mean, they, as I said, they barely beat Middle Tennessee. That team sucks. That team is bad. 
They it took them two overtimes to beat Texas State, and they lost the UAB. I mean, this I, I don't I don't know. I, these are college kids, and I don't want to sit here and run them down. But we're not talking about elite uh, competition here, and and yet BYU made them look like they were a member of the Pac-12. Is it safe to say that uh, BYU? from the coaches maybe even, overlooked UTSA, and to UTSA that was the be- biggest game they've ever played in and might ever play in? And uh, I don't well, know. Just they've, watching... played, they've played other ranked teams before. Uh, I think the last time they played the ranked team was Oklahoma State, and I think they beat them by a couple touchdowns or something. But it, it's not like, you know, it's not like that was the only time. Although the program, what, is only 10 years old. So – Here's what I'll say because it's compare it to the other teams on their on their schedule. That was the best team playing at its best that we've seen so far. Yes. Maybe you say they're not better than Navy, but I mean, as far as a football team having their best day, Texas San Antonio was better than the other teams that, that BYU has faced. I, th- I thought they were tough and they played hard till the end, and I think they they deserve some credit for that. I well, now, you- uh, I would have picked BYU to cover a twenty point spread, and maybe they should have. But they probably shouldn't have been favored by thirty-four and a half. That was probably a little. That was probably a little much. Well, based on what we saw, yeah, I, I, I would say. That, but you know, because Navy, as, quit. as you mentioned, you mentioned that they gave up the two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's concerning. That's got to be concerning for Kalani Sataki. Yeah. Uh, what's the truth with this defense? Like you said, are they? I mean, they were. <laughs> they looked absolutely stellar in the first three games. They did not look stellar in that game, even though, as you mentioned, they they did hold uh, FBS's leading rusher to 42 yards, which was a nice accomplishment. Yeah. But, I mean, out of Navy, Troy, Louisiana Tech, and Texas San Antonio, that was the best team we've seen BYU play so far. Well, Houston can throw the ball, and uh, so that's something that uh, BYU has got to get fixed uh, because if they don't, then they're going to be – chasing the back of certain jerseys down the field. Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. One is not less than the other, because when you're able to put yourself in this position to be able to win a championship, the first thing you start to think about is how much work you've put in over the course of the year, how much you've sacrificed, how much you've dedicated um, to the game and to your craft. That's always been the most fulfilling thing for me besides seeing my teammates as happy as they are is being able to know that you could put the work in literally trust the process live about the process and then see the results l-a-k-e-r-s that was the best point guard to ever play the game lebron james right there as uh, the so lakers Andrew johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived 106 93 they beat the miami heat in game number six uh, Gordon, what a I, I'm fine. Yeah, uh, what a well terrible game. That's what I was about to say. Like we could talk game five if you really want, because game <laughs> five was awesome. But uh, but game six, uh, a bit of a dud, and the Lakers uh, win, and LeBron gets his fourth title with three teams, and uh, his fourth NBA MVP as well. 
when a team is up 30 with that much time left in a game, especially a game like that, that it just, I don't know, it sucked the air right out of the building, didn't it? It, it did. It, it, and and I I felt bad for Mike Breen and, and uh, Jeff and uh, – and, um, Nobody uh, feels bad for Mark Jackson, man. Well, it's just—I mean, it was—it was what a, what a, it was. You said you, I think you used the best word. It was a dud, but that doesn't uh, take away from uh, what the Lakers accomplished this year. It's a very difficult year with strange things going on, and they stayed—they uh, stayed, uh, they stayed uh, nose to the grindstone, man. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, they did. <laughs> Anthony what Davis uh, coattails uh, a title, so that's good for him. I'd say he did a little more than coattail. Dwight Howard coattailed uh, coattailed the title. Good for him. Rajon Rondo, Rondo coattailed his second title. He had some nice moments. In he that did. Game. You know what? I, I'm I'm joking, uh, but Rondo really really made a difference. There were a couple of guys on the Laker roster, Gordon, that really made a difference. And it, uh, I kept thinking about something Coach Chiesa's told me a couple of times. Like you, you look at uh, some of the salaries some NBA players are are getting, and you say, "Oh man, well that guy's not worth that, or not, that guy's not worth that." Well, if you can come up in, in big in just a couple of moments in a couple of critical games, you earn every penny. And that I thought was Rajon Rondo, and I thought Contavious Caldwell Pope was also that for the Lakers, where yeah. you probably could be really critical about their game in the middle of the regular season when they're not playing particularly well, but if they play like that, then. They earned every penny. You know what I mean? So are you going to give the Lakers full credit as you would any normal, quote-unquote, champion? Um, I suppose. I mean, I, I think we'll always look back and say it was very unique. And uh, I, I think there – and we can probably break this down for years to come. I think there were impacts that that situation made on the basketball itself. So it's, it's certainly unique. And would it have played out that way if it were normal circumstances? I have no idea. But I'm not going to torture myself with that thought. I mean, I'm right. going to look. I'm going to look back on it like I did the the lockout shortened years. You know, where like, oh, okay, well, if they played a regular circumstance, would it have turned out differently? Uh, you know, maybe. But I'm not going to look back on it. And everybody gets caught up in the world word asterisk, right? I'm not going to. You know, you look back and say, oh, that was LeBron's fourth. What a what a weird time that was. Yeah, I give him full credit. I give him full credit for that achievement, uh, just like any other year, because I get that there were no home fans. You know, you didn't have to put up with that. But uh, but still, I mean, there was a lot that uh, these players were carrying on their minds. And, uh, you know, being locked up in the uh, bubble the way they were with concerns about their families and uh, the welfare of everybody that they care about. And yet they were able to battle on through. I got respect for that, Jake. Would you have given the Heat uh, all the credit if they would have won? I th- yeah, I think so, because they, they would have beaten the Lakers. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I would have felt exactly the same about them. Okay. Because you were saying they weren't a worthy opponent last week, so I was just wondering. Well, that was the way they played in, at certain times. They didn't look all that worthy. But they were that's a gutty uh, club, man. They they play hard and Jimmy Butler showed what he's made of. And uh I don't know what happened in game six, man. I I, I was that was just uh, the bottom dropped out. And that's too bad because you don't like to see that in the last game of the year. Because the Heat did play really well in the bubble and they played really well in the playoffs. 
And then you get down to, you know, they, they, they win game five, which is nice. But game six, they didn't even, I mean, they, they crumbled. Yeah, ran out of gas, crumbled. I mean, whatever you want to use there. Well, I mean, why did they run out of gas more than the Lakers did? Lakers are bigger, for one. Well, they are. And the Heat were pretty much playing seven players. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, they just didn't have it. They didn't have it for game six. It's really too bad. And they had to pour a ton of energy into the game five win. And I wish we would have gotten a better game six, too. But I don't know if I'm going to – I'm in that circumstance, I don't know if I'm going to use a word like crumbled with the Heat. I think they did. They did in game six. I'm not going to use that word throughout, but uh, game six was bad. That was a pitiful performance. It was funny. They were talking about the other NBA playoff games that were one-sided like that, and I remember the Memorial Day Massacre. I watched that game, and uh, the Celtics just crushed the Lakers, absolutely destroyed them. And what happened? The Lakers came back and won the series. So it, it doesn't mean what it seems to mean, but that's why it's unfortunate that the last game, that's your memory of what was going on with the Heat, that they didn't compete. The Memorial Day Massacre, wasn't that the, the Al Capone thing there in Chicago? No, that was the same. Did Valentine's you cover that Day too? Massacre. Yeah, but that was that was that was newsy and that was like real life. Oh, it wasn't okay. sports. I see what you're saying. But the, the, the Memorial Day Massacre, that was a game between the, the uh, Oilers and the Red Wings? No, that was the Celtics and the Lakers. Oh, oh the Lakers. Oh. Yeah, and a series that the Lakers came back and wanted, even though they got absolutely destroyed in that game. L-A-K-E-R-S. Buck on that team? Yes, he was. Don't you remember that famous hook shot he hit in that game? The Massacre? Well, it was in the, the – I think it was – in that series. I don't know exactly when it happened. Remember anyway. moment. Yeah. It was for me anyway. And <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't rooting one way or the other. All right. Um, I was proud of, I was proud of Miami. I was pulling for them. I'm not going to give them too much heat, heat mm, mm, uh, <laughs> for no show in game six. It's, it's too bad. They were pretty overmatched in the series. The Lakers were the heavy favorites. I'm impressed they pushed uh, pushed it to six games. I mean, what was the game that uh, that they won? Was it game three where Jimmy Butler put in that superhero performance? Or was it game four? Yes. I thought it was game three, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was three. Where he put in that incredible – I mean, that's a historic performance. Uh, it, his next best two players were hurt for a, a part of the series. Uh, it was game three. Thank you, Austin. I mean – I don't know. I, I was happy to see the Heat there. I think they'll be back. Young team, good coach. I think Jimmy Butler proved himself to be a pretty decent leader. Yeah, and they've got good uh, they've got good decision makers with Pat Riley, and I think the ownership is pretty solid. I don't I don't know Mickey Arison, uh, but uh, Pat Riley I've interviewed on numerous occasions, and he's he's a very bright individual. Real quick, our friend, you you. <laughs> you, Shasta trailer tweets and he says, uh, "Jake, everyone wants to talk about this year and asteroids, otter, asteroids, Boone, forget it, he's rolling. I meant asterix. Did I say asteroids? No, you said asterix instead of asterisk. Asterisk, not asteroids. But I think he's asteroids? just pulling from that. Uh -huh. He's just having a little I fun know, with for that. a little Animal House. Yes. Well, I struggle with the language." <laughs>
<laughs> at least you got the genders right. Yeah, well, that, that puts me uh, one on top of uh, last week. Magic Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. Uh, I've got a, a source texting in to me on my personal phone uh, saying, Gordon got it all wrong. Magic hook shot was in 87. Uh-oh, PK is on it. Was it really? Well, I don't know. This this uh, this reporter usually pretty gets his stuff pretty right. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I was listening to a national radio show today that said Morgan Whalen. Well, well, well. Morgan Whalen. What do you know? Speaking of PK, a ve- speaking, a, speaking of mistakes, <laughs> I, I don't think it was a mistake. Are you it calling a, PK a mistake? Yeah, PK it is. Was the one who said Waylon Look, sticks PK, to it, PK and I heard a, a national radio PK's show. PK's a smart guy. He he he, he understands uh, things that a lot of people don't. But but, he, but he's wrong on that one. It's Wallen, not Waylon. I'm going to side with the uh, the the national media and uh, my good friend Patrick on this one. <laughs> okay, he said, "What do you want? Somebody help me! When was the?" Uh, when was Magic's famous hook shot? It was 1987, I just told you. Well, according to someone who told you. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I just Googled when was Magic's famous hook shot, game four of the 87 finals. Was it? And when was the Memorial Day Massacre? That was back in the 30s, <laughs> what, 20s. <laughs> no, no, not at all. What year was uh, that? 1985. Okay. Two years. All right. So I misspoke. Sorry if that is, in fact, the case. Fake news. But uh, it was impressive. So now it really Lakers. is Waylon. The, the, the Lakers really got crushed the way they did by the Celtics, and yet they were able to come back and win that series. It just goes to show you that uh, it's a long series. One game doesn't mean that much. Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 in the zone.